Hey moms, this is Kate. Welcome to this bonus episode of the Gather Moms podcast. This is the recording of the Mama Zoom study that we did online, and this one is all about Lydia. We absolutely loved talking about this non-traditional mama who... The Bible isn't clear on if she had children in her home or not, but she clearly represents to us all the aspects of motherhood that are woven into the hearts of women. So join us as you recap and listen to this Zoom Bible study. You'll hear us talking to the women that joined us in the chat, and it'll be just like you were there with us. So I'm so thankful that you are here. This is our last week of the Mama Zoom, and we wanted to talk about a really special mama tonight. So before we do that, would you join with me? And I would just love to open us up in prayer. So just close your eyes. And would you pray for your own heart that God would um, clear away all the noise, all the distractions, and that he would speak to you? And then if you would, please pray for me, that God would speak through me, that he would use me, that he would be glorified. God, thank you so much for this opportunity to teach these mamas. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we are seen in your word, and you see us, and you know us, and you love us. You empower us and equip us. You value us. We are critical to your work for your kingdom, and God, we're so thankful. Thank you for placing the heart of Mama into our hearts. Thank you for leading us in that. God, would you please speak in this time? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I want to talk to you first about, I think one of the funny things about a mom is that sometimes we want to be seen and sometimes we don't want to be seen, all right? So think about sometimes as a mama when you don't want to be seen. What are some can you think of some examples of like, when do you not want people to see you? When you're at the grocery store and it's a very last minute situation. Yes. And it's like, who knows what you have on? Yes. Probably a pajama, either top or bottom. Like, yeah, maybe a shoe, maybe a sock. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that kind of when you're yeah. in a real scramble. Yes. And this is where, you know, this is the only benefit of COVID is the mask. Because yes. if you have on the mama hat. And the mask, you can go incognito, right? You can be unseen. Yes. Give me a mask. Give me glasses. Give me headphones. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Don't talk to me. Um, when my kids are acting crazy, yes. Mm. You want to just be unseen, right? Like, I'm not here. Don't find me. Um, for me, it's when I'm trying to sneak a bowl of ice cream to my room, and I don't want to have to make ice cream for everybody else, mm. you know, for my husband, for the kids. Because if they see me with it, they're like, oh, we have ice cream? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, someone said messy hair, no bra. Oh, yeah. That's you a vulnerable spot. You don't want to be seen. Yeah, that's good. Um, trying to get something cute on video. You know, there are so many times when you don't want to be seen. You're, like, trying to sneak, like, around the corner oh, of their yeah, room. Yeah, yeah. And they're, yeah. So you don't disrupt the moment. And they're getting along, and they're yeah. being sweet. And yeah. You're such a creep. Yeah. <laughs> but you just, like, you don't even go. You just, the phone goes without you. Because <laughs> you don't want to be seen, but you do want to capture it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I know this has never happened to any of you, but when I was brainstorming this, I thought about how you might want to be unseen if you cut someone off, um, when you're driving, like pulling into a parking lot and then you 
both end up walking into the same building and maybe it's church. <laughs> um, that just happened to a friend of yours? Yes. Felt like a lot of detail. And you're like, oh, oh yeah. that must have been that other girl oh. in that gray minivan because I'm so sorry. I love the moment when you also both look at each other and you're like, that wasn't great for either of us. Let's keep it moving. That was me at my worst, you at your worst. Let's not. This stays between us. Yes. I have honestly had this happen, and I have waited in my car for that person to go in. <laughs> I didn't want to have to deal I mean, with it. I mean, the bravery. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. But other times, we do want to be seen, all right? Mm. We do want to be seen. So think about what are some times when you want to be seen by other people. You want to be recognized. Um, when do you want to be seen? So for me, I thought about when I when my hair looks really good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I want somebody to be like, "Yo, your hair looks good today." You know. So I have to say, how do we get, how do I give an example? Because I feel like when you want to be seen is like it's all like what comes out is probably not pretty. Like if I'm doing a good deed, yes, behind the scenes. <laughs> okay, well that's what it is. But like if you make a really good dinner, or you clean the house, or you know, oh, said when I've uh, cleaned the house, I want to be appreciated. Yes, yes. You you know, you want to be seen, right? You don't want to mention it. You want everyone else to mention You it. want them just to notice, you know? Yes. Like you get your hair cut or something and you want your husband just to like notice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, without you having to say anything. Oh, that yes. looks good. Yeah. You know? No, that's, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, you did a good <laughs> job at your job. You know, that somebody says, oh, hey, great yeah. job on this project or way to, you know, come through in the clutch on this. Which I feel like, and who knows, but I feel like a lot of times maybe for women, it's, I feel like the majority of time we care about being more seen emotionally mm. than anything else. Mm. I mean, yes, tell me my hair looks good, whatever. But like so many people are like, when I clean the house, when, when I do a good job, like I want to hear about it. Yes. You know? Yeah. Well, and I think that's a struggle for us because- we want to be seen, and so often our work as moms feels unseen. It feels like the things that we're doing, yeah. people don't always recognize. Right. You know, so much of what we're maintaining and doing behind the scenes doesn't get seen by everybody, you know? Well, because you feel like, too, they don't even understand what all I'm doing. Right. Like, if I was absent, this all would go downhill in about three and a half minutes, and y'all yes. would have no clue. But they get so used to you keeping all the balls in the air that, yes. you know, they just don't even see it. And so we start to feel sometimes as women and as mamas, um, in whatever capacity of a mom you are, we start to feel unseen. Yeah. And... Um, uh, we can feel unseen in our homes, we can feel unseen in our jobs, and we can even feel unseen in our church, um, mm -hmm. unappreciated, unrecognized, undervalued. And I want you to know that you are seen and you are needed and that you have power. And we are going to learn that by studying Mama Lydia. So if you have a pen, a journal, this is the time. Yeah, Lydia, shout out. Um, we have Lydia Martinez on. That's our precious Lydia. I This name and this woman is particularly precious to me because um, my middle child is named Lydia. And I named her after this Bible character. And so I cannot wait to tell you about her. Okay, so it, open up your Bible to Acts 16. That's where we are going to dive into her story. <clears throat> and we are going to start out in Acts 16, and we're going to find out that Paul is journeying, and that in his journey is where he meets Lydia. And so 
In Acts 16, Paul is on his second missionary journey. And if you are new to the Bible at all, you need to know about Paul. He's a significant figure in um, biblical history and in putting the Bible together. Paul, you may not know this, but Paul was a contemporary of Jesus. He was alive at the same time Jesus was. Scholars say that Paul was actually probably just one to two years younger than Jesus was. And so, yes, and so they were alive at the same time. But Paul did not meet Jesus while he lived on this earth. Um, Actually, Paul... um, about a year or so after Jesus died, Paul started persecuting Christians. So he believed that anybody that believed in Jesus needed to be killed. And so he truly, it was like ISIS or something, you know, I mean, he would go from house to house and have people that believed in Jesus killed. And then we find that one to two years after Jesus's death, Paul is walking on the road to Damascus and Jesus appears to him. And so that's when he meets Jesus and he is saved by the gospel. He believes in Jesus. And then he he spends the rest of his life spreading the gospel and starting churches and writing letters that are now that make up a large section of the New Testament of your Bible. And Paul went on three missionary journeys. It would be these big trips that he would take um, around large areas where he would go and share the gospel. I see someone ask the question, has Jesus risen at this point? Yes. So Jesus died and rose and he had ascended to heaven. And then like a year or two later is when Paul meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. So Jesus is a glorified being. He's no longer, um, an earthly being, a human with skin on him. He, he is now ascended to the Father, but he comes down to meet with Paul mm-hmm. um, on the road to Damascus, and that's when Paul's life has changed. So then he goes and he has um, these three missionary journeys, and he was 33 when he started following Jesus, and then we pick up with him in, here in Acts chapter 16, and he is 51 years old. And he's on his second missionary journey. And he is going to go all this time. He has been in what the Bible calls Asia Minor, which today we would now think of like Turkey. So he's been over in Israel and then kind of going up through Turkey. And when we when we come to him, um, we're going to look in Acts 16.6. And it says um, that he's been he's been journeying with, he probably has Timothy and Silas with him, and at some point they're going to pick up Luke, and they're journeying. And in, chapter, and in chapter 16, verse 6, it says, And they went through the region of, mm, I didn't look that one up, Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went to Troas. So can you? I want you to notice that Paul, as he goes on these journeys, the Spirit is leading him. So the Spirit will either say, go to this place or do not go into this place. All right? And then it says... Um, uh, so they were passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen this vision, immediately, then it changes to we, because Luke joins him, that's why this pronoun changes to we, sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Okay, so now for the very first time in Paul's life, And in biblical history, the gospel is going to jump from Asia to Europe as Paul does this traveling. So Haley, can you share your screen and show us the map? So we're going to try and pull up this map so that you guys can see. Yep. 
Can y'all see that map? So if you, will you shake your head if you can see the map? Okay, good. So if you can see in the yellow, that is kind of where um, he started down there. And then go over, if you look in the pink or like that salmon color, that's Asia. That's where he's been. And that purple line up top, that should probably be his second missionary journey. Yeah. And it shows, see, that's Troas. That's what it just talked about. And they're going to jump right here across the Aegean Sea. And they're going to end up, Haley, will you circle Philippi? Because that's where they're going. Um, the yellow oh, right golden here, right color. Here. Uh-huh. And that says Macedonia. That's modern day Greece. Okay. So I wanted you to be able to see, um, these areas where he's going. Now, before we click off of this, I want you to notice that on Asia, um, there should be a town. I don't, I can't read it from here, but there is an area called Thyatira and that's where Lydia that we're about to meet is from. So it's over there. It may not show it on this map. Okay. Okay, so now we're going to just switch back to our normal normal screen. And if you have a Bible, then hopefully your Bible has maps in the back, and you can always access these. Mine, the very last map in my Bible, has the missionary journeys of Paul. And so you could flip back to this and see these very things that we're talking about so that you can trace it. And I'm taking a couple of minutes on this because this is significant. This is the very first time that he is going to travel across this Aegean Sea to go to Europe. All right. So we're going to pick up there and we're going to see what happens next. All right. So we're going to read um, verses 13 through 14. In Acts 16. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm sorry. We're going to read verses 11. I, I skipped ahead. We're going to read 11 and 12. So it says, so setting sail from Tras, we made a direct voyage to Samothrake. I looked that one up. Oh. Yeah. Samothrake, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. All right, then we go on, and let's see, because he is now about to meet Lydia for the first time. And so let's read um, verses 13 through 14. I'm going to read it all to you, and then we're going to go back and go through it line by line. Okay, so um, read verse 13. It says, And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. Now, here's the thing. There are only about four verses total, we're going to get to the next two in just a minute, about Lydia, the seller of purple from Thyatira. But there is so much packed into these verses and so much that we can learn from historical context and what was going on in the area where she was. And so I want us, we're just going to just slow way down right here and work through what these lines are telling us, okay? All right, so the first part of that scripture we just read, it said, in the city... They were there some days and on the Sabbath day. So you're like, well, why were they there some days? And then we just jumped to the Sabbath day. Well, that's because it was Paul's custom when he went to a new place. The very first place that they would go in that town was to a synagogue because Paul was called to the Gentiles, meaning people who weren't Jewish, but he had a heart for the Jews. And so no matter where they went, he would always go to a synagogue first and tell the Jewish people about Jesus. And so they wait, they they get to Philippi and they wait a few days till the Sabbath, and then they're going to go look for a synagogue. Well, there's no synagogue there because there are not very many Jews in Philippi. And so it says that they um, <clears throat> go outside the gate to the riverside 
where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And I read this and I was like, why would they suppose that by the riverside is going to be prayer, right? Well, that word supposed means that customarily or it was expected. Right. So for some reason, part of the culture there was if you did not have a synagogue to go to, you would go down by the river to meet for prayer. Okay. All right. So he's made it to Philippi. He's crossed over into Europe. It's the Sabbath. And they've gone down to the riverside to meet um, for a place of prayer because they want to go and tell Jewish people about Jesus. And then it says, we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. Okay. This is very significant. We learn that this is a gathering of just women and that Paul walks right up and starts preaching the gospel to them. Now, if you don't know, then it's significant to know that this was a extremely patriarchal society, and it was very um, uncustomary for a man to go up and just start talking to a group of women, right? Yes, Jocelyn, the first gather group. <laughs> You're going to hear Rebecca actually say that in the podcast. That's oh, hilarious. That's awesome. So we have this, these women that are meeting there for prayer down by the riverside and Paul sees them. And I just want you to notice that it's significant. He does not bring in men to create mixed company. He does not shirk away from them. No, he sees that these women are meeting for prayer and he walks up to them and he starts sharing the gospel with them. Okay. And then it said, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. Okay. Lydia is from the area that Paul just left. So it's significant to note, they tell us when they tell us something where we're kind of like, well, that seems random. Why would they tell us where she's from? They're telling us she's from Thyatira. And here's why I wonder if that's significant. Because Paul was given a vision to come to this place, right? And he would never have encountered Lydia if she was still in the place where she is from. But now she is in Philippi, and God sends Paul to Philippi, and that is where Lydia is. Here's something else that's just kind of a nugget that's interesting about this. Lydia comes from the area in Thyatira where um, dyeing fabric is like the thing to do. They are known for that there for dyeing fabric. And so she has taken that business over here to Philippi. The last piece of significant information that I think is neat is that the area that she's from in Thyatira is called Lydia. That's the area that she's from. And so there were a lot of women named Lydia. And biblical scholars also wonder if maybe her name wasn't actually Lydia, but they called her the Lydian because she was from Lydia. Yeah. And that's that became her name to them. So just some interesting tidbits. I, I love that I'm stuff. Loving all of this information. I totally truly. geek out on that. So she was from Asia where Paul crossed over from, but now she's living in Philippi. Okay. And um, um go ahead. Really quick on the yeah. like a stop down about just the significance. So Typically, when in, in the Bible, when a man would approach women, mm-hmm. it seems like a lot of times the first thing is they always are asked, where's your husband? Yes. You know, and so, right? Well, yes. You know, like when Jesus goes to the woman at the well, he does ask that. Yes. But yeah. like, I mean, like what you were saying, like, so it, it was way more normal for men to address men. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So for that's sure. why it was so... I think this is a jarring moment. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It does. It seems like it. It does. And not only talking to them, but like... I'm bringing the most important information that I have to you. Yes. Yeah. And you're getting it first. Yeah. 
You're getting it first. Yeah. I'm not going to go seek out a bunch of men. I see you here. Y'all are seeking the Lord. God has brought me here and I'm bringing you the gospel. Honestly, there are moments where that feels huge still in 2020. So thinking about it then. Correct. Huge. Right? Yeah. Okay. I agree. I think it has a big impact. Yeah. So it tells us that Lydia's from Thyatira. It tell her, tells us she's a seller of purple goods. So this is also very significant. So purple at this time, you guys, I had to look this up because I was like, what is the big deal with purple? Well, purple dye came from the bladder of little mollusks, okay? These little bitty um, snail type things in their bladder was this dye, and so it was very hard to harvest these mollusks and then to extract that dye from them so that they could create purple fabric. And because it was so rare, purple was only used for the elite and people of royalty, right? So it was very costly. Um, and it doesn't say that Lydia is a dyer. So she's not the one necessarily dyeing the fabric. She is probably like a businesswoman in industry that's selling these goods to very elite people. Um, I even read, so this is a Roman area. We kind of read that at the beginning. I skimmed over it, but this is a Roman colony. Um, even though it's in Greece, Rome would, the Roman government would put um, Roman colonies in strategic places so that they had a military presence there. So there's a huge Roman presence here. And what I read, I thought this was interesting. So you know that they wore togas. They were uh -huh. wearing togas yeah, during yeah. this time. Um, and most people just wore white togas. But people that were part of the military would have a purple rim around their toga to, you oh. know, say say their significance. Yeah. And colonels or generals who had won in the war, they might have a completely purple toga, which Whoa. made them stand out. But it was a very special thing to have um, purple fabric. It, it signified royalty or being elite. Um, and then it tells us that she is a worshiper of God. So we have these three things about her. It says she's from Thyatira. It tells us she's a seller of purple good purple goods, and that she's a worshiper of God. Okay, now here's what I want you to know. She's not Jewish, all right? And you might be like, well, how does she worship God if she's not Jewish? Right. Well, at some point, this means that she came to believe in Yahweh, even if she wasn't from Jewish descent, okay? So she believed in the God that we believe in, the God of the Bible, but she had not converted to Judaism. And so you have this woman here on the Sabbath, the holy day, down by the river, this businesswoman, this very important woman, probably wealthy, yeah. and it says only her name. When it only gives us her name, that gives us some significance. That means that she's probably a leader. She's probably the organizer of this group, okay? And so she has organized these women. They're down by the river, which is the um, customary place to meet and worship God, and they're praying. And Paul has been sent by a vision. The Spirit has allowed him to go, and he comes upon this group, and he starts sharing the gospel with them. And um, it says um, in verses 14 through 15, this is when it gets really good. In 14 through 15, it says, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Okay. I want us to look real quick at verse 14, because I think this is significant to mamas. It says the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. If anybody out there would be willing, could somebody take um, Luke 644 and look that up and read it to us? Will you raise your hand if you'll take Luke 644? 
Jenny, will you take that one? Luke 644. And um, let's see. And could someone else take Matthew 1127? Popcorn reading. Let's see. Stephanie, thank you. Will you take Matthew 1127? Okay, Jenny, when you're ready, go ahead. Mm. Does that feel right to anybody else? Because I don't, I don't feel like that feels right to me. Okay, could, what is she? What's Jenny reading? Luke six forty four. Oh, John six forty four. How about that? How about John? Let's listen. I was out. like, listen. I let's hear about these pigs. <laughs> I'm like, can I connect the dots here somehow? Because you probably could. <laughs> Okay, Jenny, you tell me when you're ready. Okay. There you go. There you go. It's the father that draws. Okay. And then Stephanie, go ahead. Seven. Yes. So here's what I want you to know before we move any further, because you may have children that are wrestling with the Lord or you want them to come to know God. God does it. He is the only one. It is he who opens the heart. It is he who draws. It is he who calls. And so um, if you are struggling with your own children, I want you to know that it's God that does the work and you don't need to force it. And he will do it in his time, just like he did with Lydia. Okay. Um, All right, so let's keep going here. And then it says, um, you know, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Okay, and then it says, and after she was baptized and her household as well. Okay, this means she heard and believed and made that public through baptism. And she brought her household to hear and believe in Jesus. Now, don't go over that too fast. This says her household. Okay, this is significant, her household. Now, scholars debate whether this woman was a widow um, and now was an unmarried woman, or she just was never married. But I want you to notice this. So often as women, we derive our identity from our marital status or our status as a mother. And I want you to notice that in all of the ways that Lydia is described, it says she's a woman from Thyatira. She's a seller of purple goods. She's a worshiper of God. It never says anything about her marital status or her status as a mother. And so I want you to know that your value does not come from those things. God sees you. He wants to meet you. He wants to speak to you. Whether you are married, unmarried, whether you're widowed or singled, whether you're divorced, whether you have children in your home or whether you're childless, God wants to use you and you have a household, whatever that looks like. This says here, her household, she had dominion and authority over her house. This was very uncommon. Um, 
One of the things that I learned that made this possible for her is that she is living in a Roman ruled area, which was much more progressive and it's an urban center. Okay. And so this is a little bit more possible for her than maybe what we would have seen in an Israelite woman. But please notice the language here. It says her household. I think so often as women, we come to the Bible and it feels like we don't have any authority. We don't have any um, leadership power and we don't see that here. And we haven't seen that in, in the other women that we've studied. God gives them influence. He gives them leadership. And we see that here with Lydia. All right. And then it says that that after um, she hears the gospel, she's baptized. She brings her whole household. She's so excited. She's like, you guys come hear about Jesus, right? So they all come, they hear about Jesus. They all get baptized. And then Paul and his crew are about to leave. And it says, she urged us saying, if you judge me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Prevailed means to be strong or to urge strongly. Okay. That's a powerful move. Yeah. Right. Yes. She prevailed upon us. This made me think about, I don't know if you guys have this problem in your family, but when I married into my husband's family, like the very first time we went out to dinner and the check came, everybody fought over the check. Everybody wanted to pay. Jeremy wanted to pay. His mom wanted to pay. His dad wanted to pay. His sister wanted to pay. And it made me sweaty. It made me so uncomfortable every time because I'm like, can we take turns? We need some kind of a system here because y'all are making the waiter embarrassed. Mm -hmm. You're making me embarrassed. You know, I'm like, I conveniently just need to go to the bathroom because I know y'all are going to figure this out, you know? But that's what I feel like in that moment where like somebody prevails, right? Somebody is eventually like, this is the credit card you're taking. (laughs) There's a power move somehow. Okay. And I think that Lydia said, listen, you guys, I have this huge house. God has blessed me with this wealth. I have this whole household and you need a place to say, so come and stay here. Okay. And she urges them and they stay with her right after they leave her, Paul and Silas are arrested and they are put in prison. And you can go and read this story in Acts 17, but they're put in prison and an earthquake comes and they are about to escape. And the jailer sees that and he's going to kill himself because he knows he's going to be in huge trouble if these prisoners get away. But they share the gospel with him and he comes to saving faith. And then Paul and Silas are released from prison. And the next time that we hear about Lydia is in Acts 16 at the end. Oh, I'm sorry. I think I said Acts 17 a second ago. I meant the story from Paul and Silas is in Acts 16. But at the very end of Acts 16 and verse 40, it says, So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. She not only welcomed them when they were bringing her good news, when they were safe and clean, she welcomed them when they were coming out of prison. And if you can imagine her as a businesswoman in this town, that might have been a scary thing to do with her reputation. This isn't necessarily as easy of a thing to do anymore. Um, But what we learn from that is not only is Lydia, a woman, the first convert to Christianity in Europe, the first house church is started out of her home. That's exactly what it says there at the end of verse 16, that they came together and it says when the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. And then we learn that the church of Philippi starts right there. The church that Paul loved, that when he writes his letter to the Philippians, it's like written like a thank you letter. All of his other letters have lots of criticisms and y'all are doing this and that wrong. The letter to the Philippians is a beautiful letter of 
thank you for the way that they are faithfully loving the Lord. And it all started out of Lydia's house. And so here's what I want you to see. Wow, wow, wow. I want you to see um, that God sees you. He could have sent Paul anywhere, and he sent him right to Lydia. I want you to hear God say, I see you. What you are doing does not go unnoticed. You are crucial. We can feel lesser in our homes, in our workplace, and even in our churches, but God doesn't want to do this without you. In Genesis 2.18, when God's creating the earth and he makes the moon and stars and he says, this is good, and he makes the waters and he says, this is good, and he makes everything and says it's good, he makes all of creation and he looks at man and he says, something is not good. It's not good that man is alone and he creates woman, the pinnacle of creation, because he realized that it was necessary for woman to be here because the man would not make it. You are crucial. So I want you to know that you are seen. God sees you. When you don't feel seen in your home, when you don't feel seen at work, when you don't feel seen by your husband, God sees you, just like he saw Lydia. You are crucial. God created you because you are crucial to um, making his kingdom grow here on the earth. You are equipped. God put Lydia where he wanted her. Gave her the business he wanted to give her, the mind and the character to do the work, people to support her and work for her. You are equipped. God equips us and gives us everything we need. God sees you. You are critical to his plan, and you are equipped. And finally, you are powerful. Look at Lydia. God empowered her to help bring her whole household to Jesus, to influence the men around her, and to start from her home the very first church. That's power. And it isn't power as the world sees it, but as God sees it. And so I want you to know these statements to be true. You are seen. You are crucial. You are equipped. You are powerful. But, and this is important, divorced from the power of the gospel, These truths will leave you feeling self-righteous and then self-loathing. However, empowered by the truth of the gospel, these truths are life-giving and God-glorifying. Listen to it in light of the gospel. You are seen. God sees you, and he wants the world to see himself through you. You are seen. Let others see him through you. You are crucial. God has called you to be part of his divine plan to rescue the world and draw them back to himself. You are equipped. God equips you with all you need to live out the calling he has placed on your life. And you are powerful. And listen, it's not because of anything you have done, but because of the mighty God at work within you. He wants to do immeasurably more than anything you could ask or imagine. And he promises to do greater things in us than even that he did through Paul and through Jesus. He wants to do even greater things through you. So what does this mean for us? It means mama and whatever meaning mama is for you that you have influence. You have areas where God has empowered you to enact his kingdom here on earth by telling others about him and bringing people into community, just like Lydia did. If you're a mom of young children, that may mean influencing your household for Jesus. If you are a business owner, that may mean using your influence and abilities to lift others up. 
if you are a woman, that you are including other women into your spaces, that you are saving them a seat, giving them an invitation, opening your home so that others may know him and know community in light of him. Mama, you are seen, you are crucial, you are equipped, you are powerful. If you ever doubted it, just look at the story of Lydia. God saw her, he knew she was crucial, he equipped her, and he gave her power. Let's pray. God, thank you so much um, that you have not asked us to shrink back, but you have called us to um, stand up, be empowered, and bring others to you. Lord, help us to live out that spirit that you put in Lydia to bring others in, um, to create community, to be powerful with what you have given us, God, so that you get the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> uh, it's hot in here, isn't it, with the ring lights? Yeah, I know. It gets hot. It gets hot with the ring lights. I'm always shiny by the end of this. Okay, so what, do you have any questions for me about this? Have you ever heard of Lydia before? Is this your first time learning about her? Do you have any questions about her? Tell me, I want to know. I feel like, oh my gosh. I mean, I knew about Lydia, but like, that was so good. And like that much information, like I love all of the info. Because when you break it down, like, obviously nothing in the Bible is put there like by accident. Right. And so, especially seeing like God highlighting her. As a woman, like, I just loved that information. Well, I don't know about y'all, but I think, um, you know, there are so many important men in the Bible. And mm-hmm. I think whether I realize it or not, sometimes when I when I read the scriptures, I don't always see myself, you know. Even though I know I'm included, I don't always see myself. And I think one of the things I loved about this mama study is that we can look and see that God values women, Yes, that we are significant to the story, that you matter to the kingdom of God. I mean, look at Hannah and Bathsheba and Naomi and Lydia. I mean, these are only four. We've only looked at four women, and we can see how mightily God used these women. Yeah, and like they're saying in the chat, too, it's like a lot of, like, I've never heard this story. And then Stephanie said, even just a few lines, like what you can pull from that, because the Bible is so intentional. Yes. So that's like how we've been digging in, and whether there's a lot about one of these women in the Bible or just a few lines, it still can, like, you're pulling out so much significance. It's, it's extremely significant. I yeah. think it said a lot to me that God, you know, let him have this vision mm-hmm. and that he went to Philippi where she was yeah, and that she was the first person that he met. I mean, none of that happens by accident. No, 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 you no. Know? And so I think, I think God is letting us see that we matter, yes. that he sees us, yeah. you know, even when I feel unseen, God sees me and he wants me to be part of what he's doing and his work and his story. Well, that's what I was going to say, the want to be part, because God could have done it anyway. Anyway. Anyway, anyhow. So to then, I mean, like you're saying, like, pick her out. Yes. That just points to God, not only valuing women, but like, I want you to be involved. And yes. not only involved, a crucial part. Yes. Like, and I hope you would never hear this story and walk away thinking that Lydia is the hero of this story. You know, because I, yes, I would say she's a boss babe. I would say she's a powerhouse. I would say, um, she is a woman's woman, 
She brings women in. Um, She opens her home. Like there's so many things I love about her. But I hope that you see that God is the hero of this story. You know, that he was the one. He sent Paul. He picked Lydia. He shared the gospel. He opened her heart. Yes. She wouldn't have had the wealth she had. She wouldn't have had the house. She wouldn't have had the business. She wouldn't have had anything without God. Right. He's the hero of this story. Yes, absolutely. And Lydia got to be a part of that because God decided to use her. Yeah. And we can, that can be true of us too. Jocelyn said he mapped it all out, and I just have to ding, ding, since we did reference a map. We did, y'all. We pulled up a for sure map. I love a ding, ding. I love it. (laughs) He mapped it all out. Exactly. He mapped it all out. Okay, good. Anything else? Just everybody's like, a lot of first-timers hearing about Lydia. Yeah. Best, best time to hear about it first. Listen, I love Lydia. I love her. I love seeing a woman like that in the Bible, Um, especially, you know, in these times. I mean, it was, it was a extremely patriarchal society. We also live in a patriarchy and we know what these things feel like, you know, and she, she understood it to such a greater degree. And so I love her example of how we can live. When someone on here, when you were reading about, um, like how she got them to stay. Yeah. She said uh, in her version of what the Bible she's reading, it said persuaded. Okay. Which makes me feel like when I read that, I was like, oh, so she was charming as well. Yes. And it just goes like, we're women. Like we can be all the things. You can use your You can your be a woo. boss. You can be charming. Yes. We've got it all. So I just, that's when uh, you put that in the chat. That's what made me think of that. Yeah. I, I, I think it was me growing up. I don't know if anybody taught me this, but I think growing up, I always thought of the, that the best Christian women were very demure, that they, they were always quiet, that they were yeah. almost um, just very, you know, oh, okay, whatever you say. And that's not my personality, yeah. and that's not how God created me. And so I always felt like I couldn't see myself in the scriptures. Mm. And when I see Lydia... I'm like, I get her. I understand that, you know? Really quick, Allie Odom said, did you name your daughter after her or you just wanted a biblical name and liked it? I named her after her. Yeah, (laughs) I I had studied her and um, I knew I loved that name. And so I wanted to to name her there. Yeah. 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 Okay, hey, we are going to jump off. We have hit time, um, and uh, I always want to respect your time. That's a priority to us at Gather. We always try and stick to our schedule. Uh, We are going to be talking about Mama, God willing, the whole rest of the season on the podcast. We have so many moms for you. We're going to hit some particular moms around the Christmas time that have to do with the Christmas story, which we're excited to look at from a new perspective. And um, so thank you guys so much for joining us. I hope that this has been a blessing to you. It's been a blessing to me. I've loved seeing these women um, and seeing myself and feeling like I'm part of this story. Yeah. Yeah. There was a story for everybody. 